Lights, and as Sean said, I'm a member of the Catalyst team here. The Catalyst team is responsible for contributing to the writing of the sermons that you hear on Sundays. And the nice thing about being a volunteer with the Catalyst team is that when I'm on stage, I can pretty much say whatever I want, because if they get mad, what are they going to do? Pay me? You know, if I say something wrong, you know. But I'm going to keep it tame today, Sean, don't worry. And today we're in part six of our Beneath the Surface Discovering uh, Emotionally Healthy Spirituality series. And during this series, we're considering what it looks like to dive beneath the surface, beneath the surface of the iceberg, to the parts of our soul that we maybe have left a little unattended, that maybe we don't like to talk about. And in his book, Emotionally Healthy Spirituality, Pete Scazzaro, who Sean mentioned is going to be at daybreak in a couple weeks, discusses the seven pathways to attend to what lies beneath the surface, to get to that intimacy with God. Those seven pathways are know yourself that you may know God, going back in order to go forward, journey through the wall, enlarge your soul through grief and loss, which is what Pastor Sean talked about last week, Discover the rhythms of daily office and Sabbath. Grow into an emotionally mature adult and go to the next step to develop a rule of life. And today, we're going to talk about number five. Number five is discover the rhythms of daily office and Sabbath. And we're going to look at what the Bible teaches us about how to develop a life-changing connection with God through the means of both a weekly and a daily rhythm that facilitates this ongoing interchange between us and and God. Let's pause for a moment. Let's just pray together to kind of get into the mindset here. Pray with me. Lord, many of us have been in such a rush this week. We found it hard, if not impossible, to just slow down and quiet ourselves into your life-giving presence. God, we apologize for neglecting what our souls need the most, which is you. We just pray that you would quiet us and focus us over these next few minutes as we listen to what you have to say and that we could start today to develop a daily rhythm with you. We ask it in Christ's name today. Amen. Well, if you get your blue outline out of your program guide, go ahead and open that up if you haven't done so already. And over the top of your outline, you see a quote there. It says, we live in a blizzard and few of us have a rope. That seems kind of abstract, but here's, here's the context of that quote. In the Midwest, when a blizzard is coming, farmers will take a long rope like this and they'll usually tie one end to their door of their house and they'll tie the other end to their barn. And the point of that is because when the storm is a total whiteout and they can't see where they're going, just to get from the barn back to the house can be a pretty dangerous trip. And there's a lot of stories of farmers in the Midwest being found literally feet from their doors frozen to death because they couldn't see to the house. And so this rope provides a safe passage back home. And like these farmers in the Midwest, you could say that we're living in a time of a great blinding blizzard. It's keeping us from finding our way back home to intimacy with God. And few of us have developed the pathways of personal intimacy with God to help us catch our breath and draw into his presence during the hurried pace of our lives. Unfortunately for us, God knew that this would be an issue, and so he provided two ropes for us, similar to this one, that lead, if you look at where this is going, they lead back to the cross. And today we're going to take a look at those. One of those is the Sabbath, and the other is the daily office. So if you look in your outline, the first blank you have there God has provided two ropes to lead us back to him. The first one is the Sabbath is a rope that leads us back to God. If you remember, back in May of this year, we did a series on the Sabbath. It was called the Catch Your Breath series. It was a couple weeks just talking about what it means to enter into a Sabbath with God. I think we even might have the slide from that. This was the slide from that series. Now looks like a pretty nice place to be right now. Although Central PA Fall is plenty comfortable, don't get me wrong. 
I'm an English teacher, so I love etymology. And etymology is the study of the history or origin of words. And I can see right now that nobody else is excited about that. So that's kind (laughs) of a little nervous. Okay. But I'm going to tell you about the etymology of the word Sabbath. Sabbath comes from a Hebrew word, Shabbat. And Shabbat literally means he, God, rested. And a more modern translation of it might be he stopped. Sabbath literally means that we have a 24-hour period where we do nothing related to work. That's a long time, isn't it? 24 hours. We get seven days in a week, and we have to spend one of those, an entire 24 hours, doing nothing work-related. But the truth is that Sabbath reaches into the depths of our spirituality, and it forces us to ask ourselves, what, do, what does it really mean to me? What do I really think it means when God gives me a commandment? And if you know the Ten Commandments, you know that the Sabbath is one of the Ten Commandments. And if you really know them, you know that the Sabbath is actually the longest and most detailed of the Ten Commandments. Take a look in your outline, and it's, it's here. Remember to observe the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. You have six days each week for your ordinary work, but the Sabbath day... The seventh day is the Sabbath day of rest dedicated to the Lord your God. On that day, no one in your household may do any work. This includes you, your sons and daughters, your male and female servants, your livestock, and any foreigners living among you. For in six days the Lord made the heavens, the earth, the sea, and everything in them. But on the seventh day he rested. And that is why the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and set it apart as holy. And this is difficult because... One thing that Pastor Joel likes to talk about sometimes is how in central Pennsylvania, we believe in one thing wholeheartedly, work. We work and we work and we work and we don't stop working. And that's good because God worked and so we should work, but God also rested and so we should rest. And we tend to think, or at least I can speak for myself, I tend to think, yeah, but I can work seven days a week. I can handle that. Mentally, emotionally, I got this. I can do work every single day and it won't, it won't drain me. But if you think about it, God could work every single day if he really wanted to. But he chose to rest. And so if God chose to rest, commands us to rest, and then modeled resting for us, Why do we think that we can take a pass on it and somehow remain emotionally and spiritually healthy? So what does it mean to keep the Sabbath holy? It says he set it apart as holy. Keep the Sabbath holy. I think it means that we consistently observe it and that our motive behind that is to honor God, make his creation, make him our first priority. And when we keep it holy, he keeps us holy. He keeps us holy healthy, having a right constitution and perspective on the world. And I I try to think when I was preparing this about, well, how often do I take a Sabbath? Probably not as often as I should. So I took a Sabbath last week, and I want to tell you about that day. Last weekend, my wife went out of town on Friday night. She and her dad went on a trip, and so that Saturday was when we got the snow. And I decided this Saturday, I am going to have a Sabbath. I am going to take one day. I am not going to do any work. And I got to tell you, it was miserable. I hated every minute of it because I wanted to work so badly. Now, looking back, it was probably the best thing for me. I'm going to tell you what I did. That Friday night, I knew there was some house cleaning that needed to be done. And I, I love cleaning my house. It's just kind of a, a compulsion. That's not funny. That's, I love cleaning. It might be a little bit. I love cleaning my house. And so my wife and her dad left around 3 p.m. on Friday. And I was like, all right, here we go. I got the Swiffer. I got the vacuum. I got the bleach spray in one hand. My dad called me at one point, and we're talking. He said, what is that noise? I said, I'm on my hands and knees. I was scrubbing the grout in the tile on the, on the bathroom floor. That's exciting. Come on. That's No? I was just loving it. But, you know, I knew I was doing all that work because I knew the next day, I was going to have a Sabbath, and I wasn't going to do any work. And later that night, I really started getting tired on Friday. I thought, I'm just going to stop here. I'll finish this work tomorrow. I'll finish it on Saturday. And so I stopped. But on Saturday, I got up and I realized that Sabbath is a rope with four strands. And the four strands are stop, rest, delight, and contemplate. And so the second I woke up, I had to say, no, Mike, you're going to stop. Today, you won't finish that work, and that's okay. The world will keep on moving 
if you stop. And I think that's something we all need to hear. You have to understand that if you stop working for one day, the world will continue to turn. My house continued to stand even though on that day I decided I wasn't going to work and it drove me crazy. I even at one point went into the closet and I got the Swiffer out and then I put it back in. I was like, no, I'm not going to do this. So you have to stop. Rest. So I thought, how am I going to rest? Well, I'm teaching my 10th and 11th graders short stories right now. And so I've been reading short stories vigorously, trying to find ones that I could teach to my kids. And I thought, you know, there was a time where I actually liked to read, just to read. And so I laid down on my couch. I had one of my dogs on each side of me, and I sat here, and I just read some short stories. And I rested, and I didn't think about, could I teach this? Or, ooh, does this have a definite climax that I can show my kids? And what's the tone, and what's the mood? I just read, and I rested. And I'd finish a story, and then I'd lay the book on my chest, and I, I might just I'd drift off to sleep for a couple minutes. And then I'd kind of come to, and I'd read another story. And resting is whatever that looks like for you, whatever you enjoy doing. If it's reading, if it's napping, if it's working out, if rest for you means going out, for some people it's it's gardening, whatever that means. If that's not work to you, rest. So then I got to the delight stage. And I'm by myself, and I'm like, well, what could I do that I delight in? And I thought, you know, a couple years ago, about five, six years ago, I started uh, doing some freelance photography and doing weddings and portraits and family shots and stuff like that. And I have this great equipment, and now I'm at the point where I only usually get it out if I'm getting paid. So if I'm shooting for a purpose, I'll go take pictures. And I thought, you know, it's snowing outside. I have this equipment that's waterproof and professional and ready to go. And I went outside and I took some pictures. And I wasn't thinking about who can I sell this to? Or is anyone paying me to do this? Or is this work, I just thought, I'm going to delight in creation. And I brought in one of these pictures that I took of the the snow on, on a branch, and there's nothing spectacular about this. I was just enjoying creation. I'm not going to put this on my website. I'm not going to try and print it and frame it and sell it to somebody in a coffee shop. I was just delighting in the creation of God. Last one is contemplate. And so the way that I contemplate is I like to read theology. I, to me, theology is, is a lot of fun. And so I picked up this book. This is by A.W. Tozer. It's called The Knowledge of the Holy. This book will knock your socks off. It's all about the attributes of God. Plus, A.W. Tozer was a Christian and Missionary Alliance pastor, so you know it's good. And so I read a chapter of this book, and I sat back, and I just thought about it, and I prayed about it. I didn't spend four hours writing a 10-page dissertation on it for a theology class. I just read, and I just thought about, wow. I read a chapter about the infinitude of God, just how God is infinite. And I prayed about that, and then I went back into the cycle of not working and resting and delighting and contemplating, and round and round it went. And it was a wonderful day, but i got to tell you, it was so hard. And in the moment, there were parts of it that I couldn't stand because I wanted so badly to work and work and work. But it was worth every minute. If you look in your outline there, we have a verse from Hebrews that says, There remains then a Sabbath rest for the people of God. For anyone who enters God's rest also rests from his own work, just as God did from his. Let us therefore make every effort to enter that rest so that no one will fall by following their example of disobedience. Will you underline that part that says, make every effort to enter that rest? It's ironic, isn't it, that we have to work to rest. It was so much work for me, it was so difficult and took so much control for me to rest. But we do. That's the nature of our culture. Work, work, work. You have to work at resting. We have to make that effort to enter into the rest that God provides for our soul. And if we're realistic with ourselves, we have to prepare for that time too. And we have to find the balance between preparation and knowing that we might not get everything done before the Sabbath. I tried to prep by getting all of my cleaning done. I couldn't get it all done. And the Jews in the, in the Old and New Testament, when they would practice the Sabbath, they would make extra food the day before. 
They would do their cleaning and cooking the day before. They would get water from the well the day before. And if not everything got done, they still didn't do it on the Sabbath. They said, oh well, we'll get it done tomorrow. This is a spiritual discipline and it's a command that God has given us to follow. We have a quote at the bottom here by Wayne Mueller, who's a theologian and a pastor, and he says, if we refuse to rest until we are finished, we will never rest until we die. Sabbath dissolves the artificial urgency of our days because it liberates us from the need to be finished. If your mindset is, if I finish my work, then I'll take a Sabbath, then I'll spend that time with God, you'll never get there because you'll never be finished. You said in the beginning that there's, there are two ropes that God gives us to lead us back to the cross. And so the one that we just talked about is the Sabbath, but the second rope, which is the second blank in your outline, is the daily office. The daily office is a rope that leads us back to God. And so what do we mean by this term daily office? This is a term, if you, if you got the Emotionally Healthy Spirituality book or if you're going through that series with your small group, this is a term that... Pete Scazzaro uses in his book. And so what do we mean daily office? Well, office, again, a little bit of etymology for you, comes from the Latin word to work. In fact, what's amazing is the original word had nothing to do with the work in the marketplace. It had everything to do with the work of God. If you talked about the office in Christ's time, it referred to church. It referred to a church service. There's an irony in that, because if you think about how much do we talk about the office in our daily lives, I got to get to the office, I got to stay at the office late today, I got to make sure I go into the office early, I got a meeting at the office, oh, it's Thursday, the office is on, it's everywhere. But what if as much as we talked about the office, we were actually talking about spending time with the Lord? Because that is what it originally meant. And so when we say daily office in this series and at daybreak, what we're talking about is entering into the daily work of God in us so that God can work through us. And the first time I was exposed to this this pattern of intentionally taking a few minutes several times a day with God is when I was working at a church down in Westchester, outside of Philly. And I was interning there as a youth pastor. And I remember Billy, the pastor who was my supervisor, said, Mike, there's a prayer room here in the office. And a couple times a day, I want you to go into the prayer room, take your Bible, and just spend a few minutes with God. You don't have to spend an hour in there, but two, three minutes, I want you to check in with God. He called it the check-in with God. And so I got into this practice. And I had never seen what it was like to spend these daily check-ins with God. I was always in the mindset that the way you spend time with God is you get up in the morning, you spend your 10 to 20 minutes, you read scripture, you pray, and then that fuels you for the whole day. But for me, that doesn't work because by about 10 or 11 o'clock, I've pretty much forgotten what I had read that morning. And so Billy told me, no, the daily office is you go in a couple times a day and you check in. And I remember the one day I hadn't done that all day long. Stuff had come along, I had meetings, I had parents who had some issues I had to talk about. And so Billy had asked me, he said, did, did you have your check-in points today? I said, you know what, man, I'm good today. I don't need it. I'm feeling strong, and I got God on my side. I gave him all the, you know, the Christian responses. You know, I'm walking with the Lord, brother, and all that kind of stuff. And he said, no, Mike, it's not, you don't understand. This is part of the job. It's not optional. And so I got it in my mind. Later I said to him, so you're telling me part of being a pastor is checking in with God a couple times a day. And he said, no, no, it's not part of the job of being a pastor. It's part of the job of navigating this world. It's part of the job of being a Christ follower is we check in a couple times a day with God. Not because God needs you to check in, but because you need you to check in with God. And this idea of purposefully maintaining an ongoing connection with God throughout the day, it's a repeated pattern in Scripture which says that in your outline. If you look, David Jesus checked in with God. The disciples checked in with God. Daniel checked in with God. Look at the verses that you have there. I will praise you seven times a day because all your regulations are just. David wrote that. Underline that. Seven times a day. David would stop what he was doing and pray and check in with God. Morning, noon, and night. 
I cry out in my distress, and the Lord hears my voice. You know, when we talk about David being a man after God's own heart, it's not because David was, it's not just because David was some great, noble human being who had all the answers. He was a good guy, but he made mistakes. The reason he was a man after God's own heart is, is right here. Because he understood that in order to stay emotionally and spiritually healthy, he had to check in a lot with God. We look at this verse from Mark. Because so many people were coming and going, they did not even have a chance to eat. He, Jesus, said to them, come with me by yourselves to a quiet place and get some rest. There was a blizzard even in the ministry of Jesus. They say on average there were at any given time three to seven or 8,000 people following Jesus. Imagine what that would have looked like. People coming and going, not even a chance to eat. And we have all this movement and no refueling. And for me, I know that if I have a lot of movement and no refueling, that leads to exhaustion. In the middle of the blizzard, and you starve to death in the cold. And so the question is, how are you starving in the cold? How are you unable to see that front door in front of you? I know for me personally, it's when I put my productivity in front of my time with God. Can anybody relate to that where you say, okay, I got a checklist for today. I got 10 things on it. And once I reach number six, then I'm going to stop and spend time with God. But what happens? In that day, you might only get to three or four. And so you didn't have that time with God. You might only get to one. How are you starving in the cold? I want to tell you about a a, a guy in the Bible named Daniel. We have a verse at the bottom here that we're going to get to, but I want to give you a little background on Daniel. And I want to see if you can relate at all to what Daniel went through and how Daniel had to navigate the blizzard but keep his daily office. Daniel was a young guy who lived during the time when the nation of Israel was in exile to the Babylonians. And so Babylon was ruled over the course of several years by three different kings. And they were Nebuchadnezzar, a king named Belshazzar, and a king named Darius. And so Daniel was captured from the nation of Israel, brought to Babylon, where he was forced to assimilate into this culture. And see if you can relate to this. Daniel was completely dislocated from his family and his culture. You ever feel that way? In the workplace, when you're running errands, when you're with your friends, when you're, do you ever feel like you're totally dislocated from your family and your culture? The goal of these people in Babylon was to take all these different people groups and bring them together into the city of Babylon and then sort of brainwash them and say, you will now follow our ways. And whoever you worshipped, whatever you believed, whatever you liked to eat, whatever you liked to do on Saturday night, you can throw it out the window. You're now going to do things our way. You ever feel that way? That you get told that? And this is what Daniel was going through. Daniel was thrown into a blizzard of people and unhealthy spirituality. And so because all these different people groups had come together, you had people who practiced witchcraft, people who believed that all the answers were in astrology, in the stars, people who were sun worshipers, people who were magicians who practiced what was at the time modern-day sorcery. And these were all real things. And Daniel was in the midst of this. He's the one person who worships the true God And he is the odd man out. And I don't know about you, but sometimes I can relate to Daniel in that that instance, where in my workplace, there is a core group of Christians who I communicate with, and, and we pray together sometimes, but man, we really feel like the odd people out sometimes. Daniel found himself in a place where he had to either abandon his daily office to save his own life, or keep it, to honor God. And what happened was when Darius was king, a couple of his followers got really jealous of Daniel. And so they went to Darius and they said, you should make a law. You should make a law that says, nobody can worship any God except you, Darius, because you are so wonderful. And if they worship any other God than you, throw them in a lion's den. And Darius was like, yeah, that's, that's a pretty good law. I am great after all. So he wrote this law and he passed it out. And here these people had known that Daniel would continue to worship God. And so this is where we pick it up in your outline. 
at the bottom there it says, but when Daniel learned that the law had been signed, he went home and knelt down as usual in his upstairs room. He knew that it would mean his death. But he had the windows open toward Jerusalem and he prayed three times a day, just as he had always done, giving thanks to God. Would you underline that last sentence? He prayed three times a day, just as he had always done, giving thanks to God. Daniel held on to this rope that led him back to God. And if you think about it, our blizzard is not that different from Daniel's, is it? In this present day. Don't we live in a postmodern culture that says forget about sin, forget about consequences, do what you want. Anything is up for grabs. Everything is up for grabs. Don't we have all around us the exploration of unhealthy spiritual practices? Two doors down from my wife and I, we have neighbors who the inside of their house is painted black. And they have a pentagram up on the wall. And they practice witchcraft. I wish that was a joke. But it's true. Unhealthy spiritual practices. They're everywhere. We have the freedom to worship. But don't we feel like our ability to express that is somewhat limited in the marketplace? Don't you sometimes feel like if I stopped what I was doing right now for two or three minutes and started praying, that I would get some pretty awkward looks from my coworkers. So how do we deal with that? How do we deal with the blizzard? I like to think that the answer is we do what Daniel did and we maintain our daily rhythm and we recognize our daily office. And Pete Scazzaro has one of his quotes. I have one of his quotes here from his book. Um, It says, Daily offices are punctuated times that allow space and time for me to align my soul with God so that I not only connect with him in that moment but also cooperate with him throughout the moments of my day. If the daily office is a rope like this one, then like the Sabbath, it has four strands. And here are the four strands. Stop, center, silence, Scripture. This sounds pretty difficult in the workplace. But I'm going to share with you how I do this and how it, it is a struggle for me, but maybe you can make this your own. Stop. Stop working. Now, do you have to stop for an hour? No, because the goal of the daily office is not to get you fired. But you can stop for maybe two minutes. And so what I do is I have to time that very systematically. Being a teacher, I can't say, all right, guys, go ahead and get out your textbooks, open to page 150, and then stop because I'm going to have a daily office with God. It doesn't work. So what I do is I wait for my planning period when I'm alone in my classroom, and about the last two minutes of that period, I stop working. And I put my pen down and I turn. I usually play music in the background while I sit there and grade papers or write lesson plans. I turn the music off and I stop. Second one is center. Center is not some metaphysical concept where you find your chi and look through your third eye and all that stuff that that Eastern religions will talk about. Center is simply you sit up straight, you close your eyes, and you breathe. And you focus on breathing steadily so that you can draw into the presence of God. The hardest one of all is silence. Silence is so difficult for all of us in our culture. I don't know why that is, but we just love to talk. Don't we even, we talk about how, yeah, you know, I was talking to God the other day when we talk about prayer, but how often do you hear someone say, I was listening to God? Look at this quote that we have here. Silence is the practice of quieting every inner and outer voice to attend to God. Most of us fear silence. Studies say that the average group can only bear 15 seconds of silence. And it's such an excellent timing the way this worked out that this week I was writing this and I was also teaching a short story to my kids that had to do with one of the characters. All these people are sitting around a dinner table in this story. And one of the characters says, I'll bet that everybody here cannot sit still for five minutes. And that was in the story. And so, of course, my kids start talking about, eh, shoot, that's not long at all. We can do that. That's how all teenagers talk right there. And, uh, and I was like, you know, I don't, 
I don't think you can, guys. And so in every one of my classes, I have six classes, I said, let's try 20 seconds of silence. Don't move, don't talk, just sit. Six classes, 80 kids, none of them could do it. Now that's kind of funny. It's kind of sad, too. And so Joel and I were talking about this. Joel's preaching over at the big campus today. And and I said, what if we had the congregation try and sit in silence for two minutes? Do you think they could do it? And he said, I'm doing it. I don't care if they can or can't. I'm going to try it. And I thought, well, let's let's try that here. But let's all even trim it down. Let's try one minute. What are the odds that in this group, save infants, they they can make noise. But that we could stay silent for one minute. I can already see everybody preparing. Okay, put the outline down. Here we go. Phone, got it. All right. Let's try that. Go. Stop. Was that hard? Was that difficult at all? Did it feel awkward? That was only 30 seconds. So imagine if we had done two minutes. Silence is key in your daily office. If you want to draw into the presence of God, you have to quiet your soul, close your mouth, open your ears. And listen to what God has to say to you. Last part of this is scripture. And I want you to write something down in your outline. Beside here, beside where it says scripture, can you write down this question? What purpose does scripture serve for me? What purpose does scripture serve for me? It's a question we need to ask. Because I know for me, Scripture can serve a couple purposes that aren't very good. One of them is to make me smarter. That's always been a struggle for me. Since the day I became a Christian, I started reading the Bible just with vigor and passion and trying to learn everything I could. And so if you give me a verse... I can probably tell you, yeah, well, you know, in the Old Testament, you know, in the 17th century, the manuscript was found that proved that that was true and this and that. And so sometimes I find myself getting caught up in using Scripture to make me feel smarter about myself, make me feel better about me. Sometimes Scripture is one more chore, one more task that I can check off my list. Anybody else ever run into that where you're like, oh, man, I got to read the Bible today. I got to make sure I do that so I can check that off. What purpose does it serve for you? When I was about 17 or 18, uh, Daybreak bought me this, this study Bible. And Rick and John, two of the pastors here, both wrote in the cover of it. And Rick knew, he could already see it in me, that I was starting to go down this path of wanting to be all knowledge and no heart, which isn't really a good way to be. And so he wrote in here, Mike... Never let this beautiful letter become a textbook. God did not give it to you to make you smarter or for knowledge, but for heart transformation. What's the purpose of Scripture for you? How do you use Scripture? John wrote in here, Mike, find another church. That's just real funny, John. How do you use Scripture? You know, it doesn't have to be a paragraph. It doesn't have to be a whole story. Usually when I open the Bible, I'm like, man, if I can't read an entire parable or a whole chapter, I feel like I haven't done my job. But in my daily office this week, I've been trying to focus and meditate on one little scripture. And that's so difficult for me. It goes against everything that tells me how my mind should work. But I've been focusing on this from John 15:4, which is abide in me and I in you. 
all week. Two minutes at, the, at my planning period, morning and afternoon. I've been sitting there, I close my eyes, and I just I focus on abide in me, and I will abide in you. Scripture needs to be a part of your daily office. We all need ropes to find our way home in the midst of the storm. Even I was thinking about this yesterday as I was finishing this up. Even my dog, Parker, I have two dogs, Parker and Paisley, and Parker needs a rope. Parker has a problem. If you leave him outside and you don't watch him like a hawk, he's gone. He will wander off because he gets so distracted, and so he's just out off in the distance. And I remember when he was a, when he was a puppy, when we first got him, we took Parker and Paisley. They're chihuahuas, so this is how you carry two chihuahuas. So we took Parker and Paisley outside, and we set him down, and my wife and I are standing there talking, and we turn around, and Paisley's right here. Parker's gone. And so we look. He's like three yards over, happy as can be. Parker, what are you doing? He looks, hey, I'm over here. I'm good. And he has no idea that he's lost and that he is in danger. And so we provide a rope for him to find his way home. And so now when he goes out, we clip him on the rope, and he can run around our yard, but that's as far as he can go. And in a lot of ways, I'm kind of like Parker. I know where home is, but man, I get distracted. And I get caught up in the blizzard. And by the time I realize that I'm lost, when God is saying, what are you doing? Home is over here. I'm in a pretty dangerous place. And finding my way home is very difficult. The truth is we all live in a blizzard. But God has given us the rope to find our way back to the cross. And if the end goal here is intimacy with God, we have a, a, this quote in your outline that says, God doesn't have any favorites, but he does have intimates. And what I want to challenge you with today is that at any given time, you are as intimate with God as you choose to be. Take a hold of these ropes that lead us back to the cross. Let's pray together. Lord, help me grab hold of you as the rope in this blizzard today. God, we need you. The idea of stopping to be with you two or three times a day is so overwhelming. It's so countercultural. It's so against what we have been taught to do and to believe. This Sabbath idea, Lord, it's going to require change of us. It requires preparation. It requires discipline. But I ask you that you would help me and the people in this room to take these next step, next steps towards living out these changes. Set us free to begin reorienting our lives around you and around our daily rhythm in your presence. We ask it in Christ's name. Amen. Desperate to hear from you Stop the world I want to get out I need an escape Away from this crowd Just to hear you Speak to I need to be still before I make a move I need to be humble with nothing to prove And I need your word to show me the truth And I need time 
out. I wanna get out. I need an escape away from this crowd just to hear you. places in our lives, and um, some of you feel that, man, just stop the world. Stop the circumstance. You just, I, I can't handle what I'm going through right now. Some of you feel that busy weight of your, so many demands on you, so many demands on your time, and even this morning, you might hear what Mike brought us from God's Word and think, well, now if I just put those on my list, if I just do those two things, then. But it doesn't work that way. Because the point, the daily office, the point of the Sabbath is not that we can do something more to be better Christians. It's that God can come and meet with us. It's for us to slow down, stop the swirl in our soul, and allow the mystery of God to come and meet us. So this morning, I want to invite you to allow the mystery of God, to allow him in all of his fullness to come and meet you, to just go and sit, to watch, to listen, to hear the things that he wants to speak to your soul. I want to encourage you to consider what is God inviting you to this morning? Is he inviting you to practice, just begin to practice the Sabbath? Begin to just ask him, Lord, can I even stop for 12 hours or the rest of my Sunday? Maybe he's inviting you to practice a daily office just once a day at work to check in with him, at school to check in with him. You don't have to do all this at once. God has no checklist for you. He simply wants to meet with you. Will you take a moment now and just pull out your response card and let this be a quiet moment for your soul, a moment for God to meet with you every week. We pull this out and this is our altar moment. This is our moment where you can hear for God's voice and you can record it and write it down. And so whether it's 
someone to pray for you in a particular area or whether it's just you marking down that card, here's what I heard from God today. So it's a marker in your life so that you can confirm it. Will you take the moment to allow God to begin to transform you? Record that today so that it leaves a marker in your life for the week. So spend a little time doing that as the worship team leads you.
can satisfy. Only he can fill the longing that's in our heart. Nothing, nothing compares to the promise that we have in him. And we have this last song today, and it talks about him being so good to us. So let's stand together, and let's go out on this note. God, you're so good. All the time, all my life, you are good. Sing along.
Fitzgerald if I turn the mic on, doesn't it? It's fan. Just trying to help out the tech guys a little bit by actually using the device correctly. Anyway, hey, uh, that just ruined the moment right there. Uh, this morning, I do hope, whatever was on your agenda for this week, we just consider, like, how do I get a daily rhythm, get some rest, and meet with God this week? And go out from here from a place where you can really meet with him. If you were a guest with us today, uh, I sincerely hope that you really enjoyed and took in and got to meet with God. And uh, we are really glad that you're here. So if this is your first time here this morning, will you please stop out when you go out through the worship center doors? You'll see a place called Guest Central. And uh, we have a gift for you, some information about our church, um, just a way for us to say thanks for being here. You take your response card out there. Um, I always love to write a little note to those who have been here for the first time. So please take your response card out there and uh, say hi. Back at Ministry Central today, we have lots of different opportunities. Um, for poinsettias and um, grief share for surviving the holidays. We have some recovery groups. Um, you can find more information about their scoop or just stop back and someone's back there to answer your questions about that. You can also register for the Emotional Healthy Conference back there today. So um, I hope that you'll have a great day. Take advantage of the opportunities in front of you and God bless you guys. Have a great week. We're standing here.